It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Well, I have to start by saying the heartiest of congratulations to Sinead Brazel. What a night we had at the IMRO Awards on Friday night. Oh, I could just tell you, the atmosphere was amazing. We in Late Lunch picked up our silver award and we're delighted with that for the short feature. And thanks for all the good wishes on that one. But the drama with Sinead, she was nearly the last category announced at the awards. And you know, you're hanging on all night and the bronze is announced, the silver is announced and there's three still in contention. And the next thing, out comes the name Sinead Brazel for Best Newcomer. Wow, did we lift the roof. We were only small. Ada was there, but they heard us all over the hall. Congratulations, Sinead. Absolutely delighted for you and uh, enjoy this time because it is a wonderful, wonderful time for you. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio. Let's get to business straight away. It's the new way to buy and sell property quickly and transparently. Cuts the sales process time in half. I bet you're listening to me now. That's what Offer claims to do. And in a sector dogged with lack of trust, perhaps the days of justified scepticism are over. Well, its founder and CEO, Robert Hoban, is with me on Late Lunch. Robert, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much indeed, Jerry. Look, I'll start from, from there because, you know, I have, my children have, Louise has, how many people listening today, the majority, have transacted their house, I, mostly as buyers, but it's some as sellers as well, and a lot perhaps. The lack of trust. You've worked in the business a long time. Do you accept it's there? Oh, 100%. Uh, I probably wouldn't be launching this if, if it wasn't for the fact that there's a real lack of understanding and then lack of, of trust in what is an opaque process just because it has been like that for so long. Uh, the two big issues, and they're slightly separate, is speed and transparency, neither of which is very abundant in the property sales process at the moment. And we're trying to, at the same time, address both those issues. Uh, like, for example, outside of Dublin, people mightn't realise that it takes on average seven months to get a property from first listing to completion. And everybody afterwards is going, oh my God, I never want to have to do that again. But it shouldn't be like that. And everybody's trying their best. The estate agent is trying their best. The lawyers are trying their best. But the, the, the system itself is broken because it has been in existence in the same way for over 100 years. And yet, as we all know, everything has changed around us. Well, let me put this to you. We were chatting in the office this morning, as we do, ahead of the, the programme with, about the different guests that are coming to us during the day. And it, it, we, we were all saying that, look, the legal process is a lengthy process. How can you actually truncate that? 
Well, if you take, so this goes into the speed part, you might say, whereby, uh, unfortunately, what typically happens at the moment is everybody waits until a, a property is sale agreed before they actually start the legal process. So for the average buyer of a property, they think it's great. Offers accepted, boom, sold, you know, ring the grandparents in America, whatever it is, celebrate, and they realise, no, four, three months down the line, they still haven't got the contract signed. There's so much work behind the scenes has to go into preparing a contract for sale. There's documents from the vendor have to be got, title deeds have to be moved from the bank. Uh, the solicitor often isn't even notified until the sale is agreed. So we've taken all those three things. and We've got AIB and Bank of Ireland as investors in the business, and they're helping us look to speed up the process of moving title deeds earlier. So the idea is... We have a vision that the 15,000 properties that are listed for sale at any given moment in Ireland should all have a contract and copy title available at the same time as the photographs of the bedrooms and the description of the rooms are available. That's the big key thing. And can that happen? We really do believe it can. We went into, we consulted with 20 different law firms and we asked them that question. We said, what is preventing having a contract available for every single property. And the law firms were all extraordinarily uh, helpful and positive about it and saying, look, it's in our interest too because we don't get paid the fee until the sale closes. Um, and the three things were early notification. You know, they said the amount of times that the first we heard of our client selling the property was when we get a sale advice note in from the estate agent. So everybody puts all the effort into the photographs and am I going to get my price? And, you know, is it, is it presented well? Which is all hugely important. But none of it is worth anything if you haven't got the legal paperwork ready to sell the property in the first place. I love this. This is music to my, I'm, I'm sure, many people's ears as well, because that's one huge block that, as you say, has been there for years, and it's just part of tradition. Now, let's come back to another aspect of this. I am looking to buy a property. And and, and we want to say this from the word go, you're not actually replacing estate agents. No, we're very much uh, assisting them and supporting them uh, so that the agent can continue to do their job, but in half the time, and with double the, the trust and transparency. I'm a buyer, and I, I, you'll hear this, and, and Robert, you have in your career as well, I make a bid on a property. Say the property, for example, here is 210000 I'm bidding on a residential in the northeast somewhere. And I bid, and, and that, that is the price. Next thing, you get a call back, I have another five on that. I have another three, I have another one. You yeah. bid again, I go up again, I match the bid, I exceed it by 1000 Next thing, back they come again. Oh, sorry, the other bidder has gone... It's not transparent. Is there another bidder? Do you know what I'm saying? How, yeah. how, how can you, you know, overcome that? That can never be overcome. Well, over 50% of people that we did a big survey uh, over over 1,000 people before we launched the product, over 50% said that they believe fake bids is an issue in the industry. However, I know from experience 20 years in the industry dealing with estate agents that the vast majority of the time there are bids there and there are people who want to buy the property. We all know there's more demand than there is supply but there's no way of evidencing this. You know, you can't, estate agent can't bring someone into their office and show them the send items on their I understand. email. So what we've come up with as a way is that you have a registered list of bids on a particular property and you can see it here now, Jerry. if you can want to look at the website you'll hear on the phone. And I'm going to show you, there's the website. Okay. So now you tap the offer button, which sits on the website. I'll just do this here now. Just yeah. tap that phone there. And let me have a look at that. What can you see there? I, I can see a range of bids. Yeah. Uh, from the highest bids decreasing. You know, the bids that yeah. have come in as it's gone up and with, up. With a date and a time. And confirmation that all those bids came from people who uploaded their copy of their passport and their proof of funds. So not only are you getting to see the bids, but you also know that you're only placing an offer against somebody who has proven capacity, that they're not making up that they have the money or that they're pretending or that it's 
something that they're dreaming of doing but actually don't have the money to do so. So it's there and it's on a smartphone and anybody can access this. Now this is a, a quantum leap forward, isn't it? For, for this business change. to be, uh, you know, on that phone in, in your pocket there. Well, if you think of it this way, there is no smartphone technology in the property sales process at the moment past finding a property on one of the listing sites. You know, you can you can go to, the, obviously the, the two big ones in Ireland are Daft and My Home and they do a great job at showing you a list of properties in your area. But once you find that property, you have to go offline for the next six months dealing with the estate agent, the solicitor. It's all done either by phone call or chasing emails. And the estate agent, in fairness to them, are doing their best to try to keep everyone up to date on what's going on. But with the best will in the world, that's an impossible task when you have to chase solicitors and chase everybody else. So we've created a system whereby it's self-updating. If an offer comes in, everyone else interested in that property gets an email saying a new offer is in instantly, showing the offer amount. So no more saying, you know, the estate agent didn't get back to me or I don't know what's going on, it's gone sale agreed, over the next three months I've no idea what's going on between the solicitors. We show what's going on so that everybody knows. Remove the stress, remove the fear, remove the, ultimately what is often described as the most stressful transaction in someone's life after marriage. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. It would have been a debate on that for sure. Tell I would me say this. that as a single guy, wouldn't I? <laughs> well, well done to you for saying it. Let me ask you this. Um, Explain where Offer sits, because I, I know, right, we have the network of estate agents around the country, some big houses, other more localised than that. Do they have to come to you or are you going to them? What way will this yeah, work? Yeah, so it's a subscription service. So right. the estate agent pays a monthly fee to the to Offer. Why would I pay you as an estate agent? So the big problem for an estate agent, if you were to set up an estate agent business in the morning, you'd probably think twice about doing it. It is highly unprofitable in its current guise. It takes seven months to get paid on average. Uh, the fee, you know, for your average property of, say, 200, 250,000 euro at 1%, that's a 2 to 2.5,000 euro fee. There isn't another industry in the world would wait seven months to get paid a fee of 2,000 or 2,500 euro. Every month they're shelling out their overheads, their costs. So we want to change that so that a state agency can be a profitable business again for those who wish to be an estate agent, but that they can offer effectively a fully digital service to their clients and their customers. So the vendor can log in and can see updates on their property 24-7. So if they're on their holidays down in the south of Spain and they, want to, and they don't want everything stopping just for those two weeks, they can go in, they can see we have a new offer, we've people have booked viewings. Uh, equally, the, um, the, the buyer, if, you, if a buyer is in the middle of a process and they've got a work trip to go to the UK or they've got to visit the ante in California, they can still see what's going on. If another person places an offer, bing, they'll get an update on their phone saying a new offer in. So they're fully in the loop all the time. So this is a great service for the estate agent to be able to sell to their uh, customers and, and clients. I'll give you another case study. Somebody is trying to buy a house and in this transaction, the house that's for sale is dependent on the owners of that house, the vendor, acquiring another property. And sometimes that can knock on, as you know, to mm. another uh, person as well. There could be two, three, four involved in, in these transactions. In what they call in the UK the chain. Yeah. Yes. Now, in the UK, you can have up to eight properties in this chain. In Ireland, typically, you won't, it'll be rarely you'll see it go beyond one, maybe two properties in a chain. So what you do in this case is if you're placing an offer, we believe you shouldn't necessarily be excluded from the process just because you have a property to sell. You just need to lay that out. So if you're placing an offer through our system, you, you, ask, you answer 
answer a series of questions. Are you cash or are you mortgage? Have you a property to sell? Yes, I do. Where are you at with that? Is it on the market? Is it sale agreed? Have your contracts exchanged? So your offer is now submitted securely and safely through the process. But the estate agent and the vendor, therefore, can see, right, this offer is X amount. It's subject to the sale of a property. The property is on the market, but there's no offers on it yet. They'll take all that into consideration before accepting an offer. So unlike an auction, it doesn't necessarily go to the highest bidder, no matter what the conditions are. An informed decision can be made to choose the person who has the best chance of closing the sale the quickest. Not always necessarily the highest offer. Yes, because I have personal family experience of this where a sale agreed happened and it took 13 months for the transaction to be completed because of that scenario. And yep. it's the most, you talk about stress, you mentioned mm. it in a moment, most stressful time you could live through. Absolutely. And look, in some cases, the, the vendor may not have the luxury of two or three other bidders with cash looking to buy the property. And so therefore, they're going to do a deal with somebody who has a property to sell and everybody agrees the terms and agrees a timeline. But that timeline can be reduced. So if that other property was being sold through the likes of a system like Offer, that's going to be done in a few weeks as opposed to a few months. So everybody can ultimately get to where they want to get to. That's one of the big points to make just about the property process in general. Unlike litigation in a court, it's not a zero-sum game. It's not like you've one winner, one loser. Everybody wants to get to the same point. The buyer wants to be able to buy the property. The seller wants to be able to close the sale. The estate agent wants to get paid the fee. The solicitor wants to get paid the fee. The bank wants to draw down the mortgage. Everybody wants to get to the same point, and yet they all fall out with each other all the time. (laughs) That is the truest thing and most honest thing I've ever heard about this on radio in my time. Well done for saying it, because that is the reality of the situation. You mentioned benefits there. Okay, right, for the seller, you told us, for the buyer as well. Is there any downside for all parties, you know, the estate agent, Mm. the banks, the the lawyers? Is there? Well, I mean, the only downside is that we're not going to be able to do it overnight. It's going to take time for all this to be embedded in. You know, we've got some really good guides and really good explainers for, you know, for solicitors, for buyers, for sellers. It's going to take a little bit of time. So, but we're confident that once it gets to the point whereby that sales process has knocked four months off, the, the journey and the bids are all visible and everybody is aware of what's going on I really do believe everybody will buy into the concept um, for us though it's about making sure that everybody is comfortable information it's an understanding there's a huge lack of understanding out there at the moment you know underst- it's, it's fine if, if someone is looking to sell their property they're not legal experts they don't know that there's a huge amount of documentation their solicitor needs from them they tend to spend all the time thinking about is, is, you know are the bins out the back before I take the photograph where they need to be I've always said over the years, a contract should be handed out with the brochure at every viewing on a Saturday so that everybody can get their solicitor to look at a property and say, look, can I get a mortgage on this? What if there's no planning for that extension out the back? I could spend the next three months thinking on buying this property and then eventually the bank turns around and says, we can't give you a loan on that. It's not secure title. What a waste of everyone's three months. So you want, really, now it's, it's, it's all pointing nearly towards the legal profession. You want the legal profession really to do a due diligence on a property from day one. You you want to have that. Any potential difficulties you mentioned, the planning. Another mm. one that's come up recently is, of course, the property charge that has remained on houses unpaid by people selling, vendors, yep, yep. and buyers can be you know, strangled with this or hung with it, mm. if that's not sorted as well. You know, that's another issue just comes to my mind. It's it's one of several that are perfectly normal issues as such. They're all fine, you know, searchable or, 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 or disclosable. The issue is that they, these things never get looked at until after an offer is accepted because there's a general 
sort of lack of impetus. That's just the way it's always been. Look, I've come from a, from a background where we were selling, uh, doing lots of auctions and online auctions, and we always had contracts and title available in advance, and everything closed in a matter of weeks. It really was very, very quick. And I remember I had a, I had a person who rang me after buying a couple of properties through an online auction in my previous job, and um, he said he had bought it on an airplane. He was sitting on an airplane waiting for his flight to take off in London to get to Dublin. The flight was delayed, and he 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 had registered. He he spent over half a million euro on two apartments in Dublin and by the time he landed in Dublin the signed contracts were in his email inbox and you know it, it, it took it took him six months typically to close the sale and he said he never left his airplane seat he went from start to finish and I knew right then I said that's the moment this is the way the future of property should be you just have to allow people with mortgages get involved you have to allow people with properties to sell get involved and for commercial property too there's no reason why the same process doesn't work for commercial property So you with your 20 odd years experience in this game believe you're onto something big here and something that can revolutionise this industry in Ireland We do yeah yeah, we really do, you know, and, and it's not from without uh, a lack of consultation with, with the parties. You know, you've, you've law firms, you've got estate agency firms, and look, there will be some that just won't get it, and there'll be some mm. that will just say, no, it's not for me, I want to do it the old way. But I think everyone's browned off at the old way at the moment, and I, I think a lot of this will be customer-driven, will be client-driven, you know, so the customer is first, the buyer and the seller. Um, some service providers will end up coming on board because the customers demand it. Uh, if you take, never mind this year's customers, take five years' time, take ten years' time, people will want everything on their smartphone. They have everything else available to them, so the fact that the property process is, is at the moment refusing to make anything available on their smartphone it's going to cause uproar. You know, if someone who's 20 now and is, is going to be, when they're 26, 27, looking to buy their first property and they realise that they have to do it old school, they're just not going to accept it. You've got backing, you mentioned there, from the major banks as well. They obviously see merit in this. They'd like to speed up the process. They want to see mm. this being tighter. I, I'm, I'm coming back to you again. It's ambitious, isn't it? Three months it's ambitious, yeah, um, but it can be done. You know, um, fr- again, in my in my previous company, we through an auction, pure auction process, uh, we were able to get a process down to, to 60, 70 days. I believe that the seven month can be brought down to 100 days. My colleague Philip always calls it the 100-day challenge, and I think he's dead right. <laughs> uh, like all things with a challenge, it takes time, uh, and it takes people buying into it. It takes people understanding that there's no one out trying to screw them around or mess them up. This isn't some sort of, you know, sneaky technology that's trying to actually enrich some someone else. This genuinely is just trying to make the process more transparent, more fair and faster. What's been the take up on this? Like it's early doors hmm. for you. I know this. That's why we're introducing that here today to let people know about it. What's what's it been like? How have you been received? Have many signed up? So while we've launched technically yeah. only three weeks ago, yes. for the previous four months, we were running closed trials with a number of uh, friendly estate agents who, who were you know very forward thinking and progressive thinking and liked the idea of bringing some technology into the process. So we had uh, five or six estate agents each selling one or two properties each over a four month period. So we managed to get a whole bunch of properties through the process. We, we made some changes, things that p- didn't work, things that people didn't like. We changed that. All the things that we liked, we kept. Uh, and so now we have about 30 estate agent firms signing up to it at the moment. Um, and we're going to try and keep that momentum going. Um, so, you know, if a seller is thinking of selling a property and they, and they like the idea maybe of something to speed it up and possibly make sure they're not dealing with someone who doesn't have the money, then they would ask their estate agent to, to use offer on their property. It's a little button that sits over the website and it pops up to show all the offers, the legals, the contracts, the title deeds. Uh, we've integrated with DocuSign. So for the first time, all these documents can be signed using DocuSign. And we've integrated with Stripe 
great Irish success story, the Collison yes. Brothers, fabulous flexible online payments technology, which means that if you're a buyer and you're asked to pay a deposit, single tap on your phone transfers the money into the estate agent's client account with a record and an audit log and an audit trail. Really, really smart technology. So I'm just thinking here, if I'm listening today and I'm, I have a property out there I'm trying to sell or I'm trying to buy a property or whatever, so it works both ways. I can say to my estate agent, hey, I heard this guy on late lunch on LMFM Radio, Robert Hoban, talking about offer. Yeah. I want you to, you know, we, 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 want, we want to be part of this. Now, you said to me a little while ago, there's a fee for the estate agent to sign up. Is that, a, is that a, a deterrent? You know, the estate agent may put me off and say, oh, no, no, don't worry about that. Yeah, so obviously we, we hope to be able to show the, the benefits of the system to justify the fee. Uh, but initially, there's a, for the first month, we don't charge anything anyway. So an estate agent wants to try it out, they can do it. If a for bar- free? Yeah, if a buyer wants their agent to try it out, no money changes hands okay. for a month. And then um, if they want to continue using the system, then... Uh, we can we, we try to make it as, as as friendly for the size of the business. Some estate agents are very small practices, mm. just one or two mm. people in it. We have a, 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 a sort of an entry level package for that, and then obviously the bigger the firm. What about the big ones, REA and these? I only mentioned them as an example. There are more big ones as well, of course, sure. that just springs to mind to me. If you get them in, in a way, you'll get the whole network of agents, won't you? Well, we're we're talking to a number of the big names who have who who are interested in in how this could help their business. Um, but I suppose, like all things, it's the, the smaller to medium-sized firms are the ones that can actually act the quickest, you know, because they're they're owner owner uh, run firms and they tend to be able to make decisions more quickly. So I suspect the the smaller firms will actually end up using this more quickly than the larger firms, which just take understandably take a little bit longer to to make adjustments. So there's benefits all round, and that's the that's the incentive to the legal practices. They'll be paid more quickly as well. Estate agents, as you say, you know, don't have to wait that long time. And for buyers and sellers, it's all positive. What about the the lenders and the banks? What's their benefits? Yeah, so the 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 banks in Ireland at the moment, a very interesting case study. They are all, in fairness, them putting a lot of work into digitising their own customer journeys. So they are trying to make more app friendly services available and online services so if someone's going through a mortgage process that they can do a lot of it online. The big difficulty at the moment is the buying process through the estate agent. If you can imagine this with your left hand over here and on, with your right hand you're dealing with the banks. Digital or non-digital they're two totally separate services. Right? Mm-hmm. You have to have different separate channels, different conversations yes. going on. We want to work in time in bringing those closer together. He'll join the hands, the right and the left, and it's all That's here it. with offer. <laughs> Just before you go, as an aside, because uh, the present system, of course, is going to be there, and as you say, some won't mm-hmm. go into it. What, what's your view on, on the, you mentioned there, you know, auctions, you know, and, and we hear your man in Galway, the famous fellow, what's his name, Donlin, is it? Colin, good lad, great guy. Yeah, great guy, and you hear him on as well. Auctions as against, you know, the bidding system. What's your take on that from your experience over the years? So there's a very specific difference between auction and non-auction. Auction accounts for less than 5% of transactions in Ireland. So 50,000 properties sell every year, less than 5% are sold by auction because auction really only suits cash buyers typically Okay. because it's unconditional. You lose your deposit if you're if you're the highest bidder and uh, you haven't got your mortgage offer, not just your approval in principle, but your loan offer in place because it's binding. We've created a slightly more flexible version of that for the other 95% of sales, whereby you can have the benefit of online offers and online bidding, but you can outline your conditions. You can say, look, my bid is subject to me securing my mortgage. Okay. My bid is subject to me selling my property. And therefore, you introduce a cooling off period or a sale agreed period. But it's a managed 21-day period, not this three, four, five months that goes on and on and on and then we can pull out at any stage. We believe that if the contracts and title are already available, 
So 21 days is enough time to get your mortgage valuation done, to convert your approval in principle into a loan offer, get a survey done if it's required, and have your solicitor raise their queries and have them replied by the vendor solicitor through our system. So we handle the queries, the pre-contract queries and the replies so that the client can see, oh, great, the vendor solicitor raised their first, excuse me, the purchaser solicitor raised their first set of queries on Monday at three o'clock. It's four days now. My solicitor has just sent their replies. We're all on track. Happy days. I don't need to know the content of what they're saying between them. That's confidential. At least I know I can see activity going on. Because otherwise what will happen, you see, the 21-day period will go by and it'll be very clear that one party just isn't doing anything. You know, they haven't downloaded the legals. Yeah. They haven't got evaluation done. Mm. Do you know what? Maybe this isn't the right best deal around here. Let's go find someone else. That's a, a more adult way of doing it. So in the future, you see us transacting the traditional buying and selling of properties on that little gadget there beside me or in your pocket, I primarily. Think, yeah, I think that sort of, you know, whatever that is, the six, in, six inches by four inches <laughs> yeah. gadget yeah. that's sitting in your pocket yes. will will control a huge amount of the processes. And, you know, the advice side of things is still there. So you still need someone at, at the end of a phone to talk to you about it, to advise you, to tell you yep. when's the right time to go to the market, what's the value of my property, should I accept this offer, should we not accept that offer. The estate agent is the advisor. They are the key professional in the middle of it all. But why should 95% of the processes be all manual? You know, that should be automated through a, a smart technology on a, on a phone that everybody now feels close to the transaction, they feel more comfortable, they feel every time they get a phone call it's a good news story as opposed to this bad news story that's constantly coming all the time. And there's one other very important point. I've noticed this from talking to a huge amount of people, and any of your listeners I'm sure will confirm this. There's a lot of buyers have pulled out of deals, not because they didn't want to buy the property, but they didn't trust the process. Yes, absolutely. The seller loses that out there. The buyer loses out there. Everyone loses. Everybody loses there. You shouldn't pull out of a deal just because you think you're not. there's something nefarious going on in the background. If it goes too dear for you, that's fine. That's a calculated decision. Uh, or if another property comes up you prefer, that's your choice at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't pull out just because you're feeling icky about what's going on. I can't pick a hole in you at all. I really like this, I have to say it, Robert. Offer O-double-F-R. How do people find out more about you? Our own website is OFFR.io or OFFR.ie. Um, but all I say to people is please look out for the offer button on the estate agent's website. And if you're dealing with an agent who you like and you trust, um, ask them to sign up to offer. Robert Hoban for the moment, founder and CEO of Offer. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you so much, Sherry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. No deposit and low APR same-day finance approval available. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. The largest festival of faith in Ireland begins tomorrow in Dundalk. The annual St. Gerard's Novena is expected to attract more than 8,000 people each day from near and far. And there's a new man at the helm this year at St. Joseph's. Father Noel Kyo is a Redemptorist rector and administrator at St. Joseph's. And he's with me on late lunch this afternoon. Father Noel, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thank, Thank you. you for joining me. And do you hear the accent there already? There's a little clue in that, actually. <laughs> you hail I... not far from Dundalk. Not far from Dundalk, no, just at, just to the other side of the border, so just outside Newry. And uh, so it's all very familiar territory. In terms of the Redemptorist world, this is sort of my first posting nearly back home again, so I'm yeah. delighted, yeah. And for you, Noel, you were in Clonard in West Belfast That's Parish right, yeah. for four years before you came to Dundalk? Four years, yes. So I was rector there um, since 2015 to just this year. And uh, so that was a new, my first time actually being in ministry in the north of Ireland. Uh, so another uh, change for me. 
And of course, that was a, an amazing experience. Clonard, as you know, is, um, has been very, I suppose, associated with the peace process and yes. a lot of peace and reconciliation uh, work went on there. And really, in the where we find ourselves now at the moment in the north, we see that, that the work of peace and reconciliation is as much needed now as it ever was in the 1970s or 80s. So, uh, unfortunately, Brexit impacts on everything, including... Um, uh, the peace it process, does indeed. So, yeah. I was reading a lovely article written about you as you were leaving up there and they were really sad to see you go. They really loved you in that parish for the time you spent there. That must be really uh, nice to, to, to hear that. Sure. I, look, the people of, of West Belfast are maybe some of the most generous people that you'll, you'll ever meet. And there are people who have suffered terribly through down through the years. And I suppose when you've lived in a in an environment like that, People needed to look out for each other. And so it's very much part of their nature to um, to fight with you. But also then uh, you're one of once they take you as one of their, their own, uh, they look after you. And it was so it was it was very emotional leaving. Yes, it was an appointment that I uh, expected that was going to be renewed for another four years. Uh, but because of all of the changes in the Redemptorist world and with the beginning of the new monastery in Dundalk, Anyway, the jigsaw turned out differently. So. That's it, and you get the directions and off you go. You leaving w- with great regret, and of course, I just want to mention him today because he's been a staple on this show for years with his father, Michael Cusack, Absolutely, leaving Dundalk. Yeah. Big boots to fill, no? Absolutely, absolutely. Michael uh, has put huge energy. I mean, and you know Michael as, as well as anybody. Uh, he's a, a big figure and he's a character, uh, but has done really Trojan work in, in Dundalk and really he's became sort of integrated into the, the really the fabric of, of Dundalk. So he's a big loss uh, to the people there. And I suppose with every change, there comes the... the Maybe new things that will happen, but also there's the loss of what what people were familiar with. So, of course, and that is the nature of life. Sure, it changes. Exactly. Nothing stays yeah. the same. Now, the theme of this year's novena is big. Uh, is sorry, I beg your pardon. Is called uh, "Call to Be Saints, Living the Beatitudes." Is that your choice? No, it's agreed uh, nationally. So at all of our novenas all over the all over Ireland, we we will work on a on a theme, and uh, it's very carefully worked out. I am particularly excited about this uh, theme: the Beatitudes. We all learn them at school, and we'll hear them maybe particularly at funerals. Uh, you know, blessed are the poor, blessed are the uh, the meek, etc. But really, if we actually go behind it and understand. The, the time that Jesus lived in, this is probably one of Jesus' most radical uh, teachings. So if you, you know, you hear of the prosperity gospel in the States, so if you're good and if God blesses you, you, you've got lots of money, which we know, you know, I know is, isn't true. That's not how, how life works. But that would have been very prevalent in the time of Jesus. So when he stands up and he said, no, it, this is not about God doesn't bless the powerful and the rich and the, the, the wealthy and the people who oppress. It's actually the other way around. So God has his eye for the lowly, for those who are suffering, for those who who are weak. And so we might say, well, look, blessed are those who mourn. How could we ever count that as a blessing? If we can turn that around, if you're mourning, it means you have loved. And so people who who have loved are blessed. Uh, Blessed are are the, the, the meek. I think when we look at people who really 
look at life, whatever, they don't have huge expectations. They don't feel that they're, they're, they deserve to get things. Um, they have humble expectations. These are, and even psychologists will tell us, these are the happiest people uh, in life. I think things go wrong when we live in a world where where we're always grabbing and grasping and needing the next best thing and and that that's uh, so if we can understand blessed are the meek in those terms and we can do that with all of the the beatitudes yes do you know and these were delivered by Jesus in his sermon on the mount and contained in Matthew's uh, gospel I'll come back to what you just said a moment ago and just to finish a quotation from yourself recently uh, where you said that these were you know one of the most powerful and and probably controversial of Jesus' teachings uh, something that turned the world these are your words upside down no we are in such an upside down may I say world at the moment well look we've mentioned Brexit already Jerry, and uh, we look at what's happening you know we can turn very easily to, to, to the states but actually if you look right across the world the Philippines uh, you've got in, in other parts in, in Europe in Poland and Hungary there seems to be a, a whole shift in away from the centre ground in, in politics and the danger is that, that once we go into this type of I don't know group mentality or that we just look after ourselves. I think all of us suffer in the the long term. My fear and without wanting to be alarmist is like history history probably doesn't repeat itself but there are similarities as we go back around and if you look say coming up to times like the Second World War and that this was another time of huge flux in, in, in the world and when that happens well then populist groups can can come and they they usually pick the most vulnerable groups in society to blame so be that immigrants or particular races or or that so i think we need to be very careful and certainly as a church we need to be very very rooted in the teaching of christ that is one that is about inclusion that we're all made in the image of of christ and it doesn't matter how much money we have or where we've come from or what tragedy we're fleeing from uh, that we're all valuable and that human life is really, really sacred. So, well said. Um, this novena this year, you're inviting back a, a very good friend of St. Gerard's in Dundalk. And I know she's a wonderful woman. She's coming from Newfoundland again. Anne Walsh, she's back with you. Well, and I am particularly delighted. I actually have to, I have to tip my hat to Father Cusick because he had already chosen the preachers for, for this year. But Anne and myself are great friends. We go back quite a long time. We have taught together both here and in in Canada, especially around the area of youth ministry. Uh, she's an amazingly dedicated woman, but she's also a very inspirational woman. She has not only got huge experience in, in ministry and working with people at all different levels, young, old, um, she... Is also an advisor to bishops' conferences in North America. And so she really is uh, somebody that is worth listening to. And she's not all up in the air. She's really <laughs> grounded. And, you know, the, the, the thing that I think that people find most uh, uh, interesting about her is when you hear the Newfoundland accent you'd swear you're down around Waterford or somewhere. Absolutely. And it's just got, or, or as I described it once, the first time that I went there, it's like a, it's like an American doing a bad Irish accent. You know? Just uh, as an aside, <laughs> we were in uh, Termina in Italy this year and we came across uh, people from Newfoundland. Yeah. And my wife said to me, 
That's a very uh, familiar That's, accent, yeah. and yet they live yeah. on the other side. I said, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a phenomenon of, of the connection between both countries Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, now, besides Anne, and uh, wonderful that you have her again, you've invited Jane Mellet from Trokura uh, to speak as well, and it's tied in with Pope Francis and the environment. Exactly. Jane, uh, Jane Mellet, again, another very inspirational lady, um, has she's worked for many years with the Redemptress. Uh, she was a pastoral worker in, in Ballyfermot uh, and she recently took a career break from that and has gone to work with Trokra as the what they call the Laudate Sea officer. So going around the country promoting this teaching of Pope Francis on what he calls the care of our common home. And this is, I think... Look, if we listen to the news every single day, it's now now on. The science is there and you've got young people like uh, Greta Thornburg and uh, who's really putting it up to politicians and really to big business, uh, just how serious the, this, uh, uh, the, the environmental um, challenges that, that we face are. I'd actually say, you know, I'm not a scientist, Jerry, so I think I have to bow to, to what what mainstream science is is saying. Uh, but you do get the impression that this is maybe one of the biggest challenges we're going to face for our generation and indeed for generations uh, to come. And I think uh, it's important It's important to say that it can be very confusing. For me, as somebody who's not a, a scientist, you know, there, there are so many views going around and it seems to be quite political and we hear about the... The, the deniers of environmental change and um, that this is uh, caused by human activity. Uh, you know, we try to do, we try, we all try to do our, our little bit, you know, be it recycling and then say, okay, well, we shouldn't be using plastic. It's better to use glass. And then somebody else says, well, you know, the cost of burning down glass, whatever, to reuse it again. So it can be very confusing for people. And I think uh, for the church, what Pope Francis has done is very, very smart. And he has grounded this whole area back into what really were Christian values uh, that maybe that we have lost. So uh, really based around greed and being prudent, uh, that we don't waste stuff, that we just don't throw stuff away. We belong in what is often referred to as a throwaway culture of sort of that there are no values, that's whatever you want uh, uh, goes. And actually, if you go into the to what the scientists are saying and you look at the 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 reasons behind where we have we have landed in it's just absolute unbridled greed and so that is something that i think we as, as a church uh, have something really serious to say about and I think as church people, we, the challenge for us is to see that this is not some wacky science or it's not uh, a very hippie thing, that this is really important. If we don't link this to our faith, well, then I don't think that we understand what, what life is truly about. St. Gerard's Novena begins tomorrow. St. Joseph's Redemptorist in Dundalk and Father Noel Kyo is with me on late lunch this afternoon. What about the new building and the work that's been going on? I used to feel sorry for Michael, you know, because it was Poor like Michael. a piece of string. When will it ever finish? It's done, that's is right. it? Listen, it is, it is more or less complete. The, actually, the Novena is going to see the opening of all the new facilities. And I really do have to... to 
pay a tribute to, to Michael. It was a very difficult job. And unfortunately, when you open up an old historic building, you don't know what you're going to find. And there were lots of requirements came in that, that maybe that we hadn't anticipated. So Michael got to see it finished. Uh, I got to move the community back into the monastery and I'd say that was, I mean, he put huge work into it and I really do want to pay pay uh, tribute to him. As we came in, the new facilities weren't open yet, so um, we've relocated reception. It's around now the side. The old, if people are familiar with the, the site, there was the old St. Gerard's Hall. That's gone. That's opened up around the back. And we have now what we call the St. Gerard's Redemptorist Centre. So we have a new reception, a new religious goods shop, uh, a really very modern and sizable hall equipped with AV equipment and all of the, the things that are needed today and uh, meeting space. So as we speak, Jerry, and as I've come down to talk to you, the real work has been done up in Dundalk <laughs> as the maintenance men and all are are shifting the, the reception as we speak from the, where it used to be at the front of the house uh, down to the back. So I'm delighted with LMFM. So. Is there any truth in the room? Annika Rice was kicked off Strictly Come Dancing last night. You remember Challenge <laughs> Annika? Challenge She's not Annika, with you yeah. down there today She's getting not, the job. No, no. Oh, that's all right. But no, we have our own Annikas. We have <laughs> our have, own I'm Annikas. I'm sure you have many of them. But, but it'll be all ready. It's all ready and there's, there's maybe it brings in a few changes for people. Um, one of the, I grew up as I think you did as well, going to the, the, the novena and for many people they used to sit on the corridors. There's so many you sit in the corridors and the parlours and that was very intimate. As now it, it has opened, uh, because of really fire regulations, you have to have so many exits and all of that. We aren't allowed to sit people on the corridors anymore. So that's why we put a huge investment into this, this hall, which is all linked to the, uh, to the monastery now. So, uh, any excess from the, the church will go to the hall. There is this live feed on a huge screen. There's a new shrine to St. Gerard Magella has been erected in the hall. So it'll be a real novena experience for, for people. And I think it'll be a very comfortable place. I think especially for people who like to be near exits. Not everybody likes to go into the church because especially if you go further up, you can feel very claustrophobic. So this is a, a great facility for for uh, people like that or for maybe mothers with prams and and that. So we hope that people like the new the new experience the uh, or the new facilities. The the religious good shop is now open at the back. People have been asking for many years. We were unable to stock a, a lot of uh, stuff there, so that will that is open now as well. So as I say, it's all happening today. And hopefully re- and ready for 7am tomorrow. It so. will. And just while you're on that, the sessions begin at 7am each day and they mm-hmm. run through to half past 10 at night. That's during the weekend. Then at weekends, it just drops down to, uh, that's 10 sessions a day, nine sessions at the weekend. But sure. some of the highlights, I, I, I always want to mention these because they really are. The candlelight procession, the uh, anointing of the sick and the blessing of, of people who are a little infirm and the children. Yeah. Really, three lovely moments that you've you've uh, highlighted there. Uh, so the ten thirty session every night, or on the Sunday at the nine o'clock, is at at candlelit, and I'm really delighted this year. I've invited in a group of local musicians that are come from, I suppose, a traditional background. So the same format, candlelit, more meditative, and really given uh, expression to local uh, talent in in the area. So lovely low whistles and uh, violins. So that'll be a really, really special session uh, for each of the evening. And 
fortunately we're not all as talented as Father Cusick and uh, but I'll be sticking my hand in it singing and Father Derek Ryan who's another one of the who is the youngest member of the community uh, great singer as well will be leading uh, those sessions and then of course on the Saturday we've got two sessions with the anointing of the sick and the elderly so that's at 11.30 in the morning and 2.30 in the in the uh, afternoon they are really important sessions and I think for people who maybe aren't able because they're infirm to come to the novena every day like they would have uh, when they're younger. This is the day that that uh, facilities all around Dundalk and County Louth uh, try to bring people to. And I would really appeal uh, to your listeners if there's uh, if you know an elderly person that's beside you or that that would love to go but they couldn't because of lack of transport. Please do offer uh, that opportunity to to people. And then you go to the other generation, to the, the babies. So that the babies isn't advertised as one of the main sessions because there's a session all by itself. It doesn't resemble anything else. So 2.30 on Sunday. And if you don't like noise, please don't <laughs> not come to that session. It should come with health warnings. So, and, uh, so but they're all members of the flock and absolutely. of the future as well. And that is part and parcel. And but it's maybe one of the highlights it for, is. for, for, for Parents us. Parents yeah. love it. And especially, you know, yeah. St. Jared is the patron saint of, of expecting, expecting mothers. And children. Yeah. And children. Yeah. And, you know, that's why people flock to that because they say thanks. It's, it's, it's a thank you as well. It's a most enjoyable session. I absolutely. Know. Really, yeah. It really, really And they'll is. all get a little medal which can be good because sometimes the only medals come into a county of a particular year. So. <laughs> oh, don't, don't even go there, Noel. Look, just before we finish, it all sounds really exciting and, and fantastic for you being your first St. Gerard's at St. Joseph's in Dundalk. One thing I just want to come back to, women. And, and we, we talked about two very prominent women there, but sure. it's, it, it, it's, it's another thing you really want to push forward, women in the church. Sure. And I think uh, uh, an occasion like the Novena is uh, an opportunity uh, to promote the voice of, of women in the, the church. Look, the church moves very, very slowly. But my take on this is that if we do not have the wisdom and the spiritual genius of women uh, in the, the church, we are are really going to struggle uh, as, we, as we move forward. The reality of the situation is that more than half of the world are women. And... They have very uh, important things to say. But the reality is, like most of us, as faith givers uh, and as spiritual leaders, women have always played a, a very significant role. So in any way that, that I can, in my time in Dundalk, I would be looking to promote the the, the voice of women in the, the, the church and to challenge us. Uh, when we look at some of the, the worst moments of the, the church and we think of the scandals, you have to wonder if women had also been involved, uh, would things have been different? I think there's always a danger if you have an only male group or even if you have an, an only female group, we lose out on that balance and we're, we fall prey to, I suppose, groupthink. Isn't that what they call it? So uh, getting that, that balance is really important. And I really do encourage people to come and hear Anne and Jane uh, during these, these days. Well, Noel, may I wish you well, Father Noel Kyo, on your first St. Gerard's Novena. And Thank it's you, been a pleasure to meet you on the show this afternoon. And I will say again that St. Gerard's confronting the issues, bringing the past to life with the Beatitudes, women in the church, the environment, it's all happening. And it begins tomorrow at 7.30 a.m. Everybody welcome. 7 a.m. 7 <laughs> 
7 a.m., Jerry. And you know what? Can I just say, I really look forward to meeting so many people and the the, the many thousands of people that come. Um, a friend, they're always full of friendly faces, and I look forward to meeting I'm them. I'm laughing here as I giving you another half hour in bed. Oh, no, Thanks, I Noel, wish. for fixing me up on that one. It's <laughs> 7 a.m. each morning, right through till half past. The early 10 bird, and all that. The yeah. early bird as well for the moment. Father Noel Kyo, thank, thank you, you very so much. much wish you well again. Thank you. I think it's fair enough to say that you all know my next guest on the show today. She's become a household name, not by choice, but circumstances since the cervical check crisis broke in April 2018. Vicky Phelan has become an inspiration to many who find themselves the victims of a state where there appears to be no accountability. She's recently released a memoir aptly named Overcoming and she's on the line now. Vicky, good afternoon. Hi there, Jerry. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for taking our call. Do you know, my mother used to say, you think you know someone. And <laughs> after reading this book, that's how I exactly feel about you. Do you know something? There was a book in you before all this. Do you realise that? Oh, absolutely. It had actually been said to me a few times by uh, some of my friends ever before last year happened. Um so, you know, I remember last year uh, when I was after doing primetime with Miriam O'Callaghan, we were in the green room afterwards at chatting, you know, and uh, Miriam asked me a question that a lot of people had asked me up to that point, like, you know, how are you so strong, Vicky? And I said, oh, sure, you know, this isn't the worst thing that has happened to me. And I remember her being gobsmacked and she said, what do you mean this is not the worst thing that's happened to you? And I said, well, you know, there's been this and that, you know, and I went through a couple of the things that have happened between my own accident, my daughter's accident, you know, her being yeah. diagnosed with a rare condition. And she said to me, oh, my God, Vicky, you have to write a book. And I said, yeah, I know. Everyone keeps saying that. She said, no, seriously, you have to write a book. And she kind of said it to me in such a way that she said, look, wouldn't it be lovely for your children? And that was what made me kind of, you know, the push I needed, really, you know, to do it. And one of those many things, which I hope to uh, touch on a few of uh, a few of over the next while, and I'll just quote you on this. You say that postnatal depression was worse than cancer. Yeah, 100 percent. And, uh, you know, I remember watching Magella O'Donnell, Daniel O'Donnell's wife, on the Late Late Show, probably during one of my periods of, you know, really bad depression. And I remember her saying that on the show and I thought, I remember being taken aback on Jesus, because I remember thinking at the time, and this was before I had cancer, um, you know, thinking this was, uh, you know, awful, that I just could not get out of my head. I, that, like anyone who has gone through depression will understand what I'm talking about. At least with cancer, you know, when you're not depressed, you're dealing with physical issues. Um, yes, it's horrible. You know, you have a lot of pain, you, you, you have nausea. Um, and in my situation at the moment, I don't know, you know, how long I have left. But I'll tell you, I take it any day over depression, Jerry, because at least I can function. I'm happy. I'm enjoying my life with my kids and my family and my friends. When you're depressed, you just, I literally was going to bed at eight o'clock most nights just to get out of my head, just to sleep, uh, because I could not, you know, the thoughts in my head were just constantly racing and really black, you know. So it's 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 an awful, an awful disease, to be honest, really is. And I definitely think for me, it was worse than cancer. My word, you've certainly crystallised PND for me listening to you today and I'm sure many others that could never, you know, explain it in the, in the words and context you put it there. But tell me this, how did it did it pass or how did you get over it? 
Um, well, no, it doesn't pass. You actually have to deal, and this is the thing that I, I kind of thought, like, and so did my mother, you know, my mother thought, Asher, you know, it'll, it'll go eventually, and it didn't, uh, Jerry. like, it just got worse, and that's what mm. I'd say to people, you know, you think, Asher, it's the baby blues, it's not, if you have really bad postnatal depression, it's not going to go without help, and that's what I learned, you know, and the first time it happened, you know, my, after my first child, it was really bad because I, it's not that I ignored it. I just didn't realize that it was such, a, you know, it was so bad and, and that it wouldn't go away. So I had to address it and I had to go to the doctor and, you know, I tried the medication and it didn't work for me the first time around. I just felt like more of a zombie when I was on the medication. So I came off it, um, but I tried everything. I did exactly what I do with everything in my life. I read up on it and I thought, right, a lot of women and I joined a support group online, which I found fantastic because I couldn't afford counseling um, at the time. And a lot of people are in that boat. Um, and I found a great forum online which where women were sharing their own experiences and saying what worked for them. And that's where I found a lot of advice very useful. So I started running. And running, to be honest, was my saviour. I was literally like Forrest Gump. I was running every day, um, sometimes twice a day if it was really bad. And it definitely helped because the exercise boosts your endorphins, which helps deal with, you know, the, the, your, your balance out your hormones and your, your the serotonin levels, which is what happens with depression. So I did that. I did acupuncture. I had a light box. I bought a light box for light box therapy. Um, I, and I made myself, and this is a hard thing to do when you're depressed, I really forced myself to get out and meet people and go and meet my friends even though I didn't want to because I always felt better afterwards. So, you know, there's, there's lots of things that people can try. Um, but I have to say the second time around when it came back, I went, I, I had to give in to the medication and try it again because it was quite bad um, after my son was born. And uh, the medication, obviously, that was a good few years later. It was much better. There were these new SSRIs, mm. they're called, um, selective serotonin, something or other. Um, and I tried those and I have to say I didn't have the same side effects as I had first time around. And I stayed on the medication for two years and it definitely made a difference that time. Now, I still did the running and I still did all the other stuff, but the medication was much better second time around. Thank you for talking about it, Vicky. And people are probably saying, what are you at, Jerry? She's on for another reason altogether, but this is Mental <laughs> Health Awareness Week. You know no, that anyway. Exactly, yeah, I do, I, I do. And yeah. I really think we need to talk about these things more. And I particularly think with postnatal depression, a lot of women feel guilty. I mean, I, I know in my, in my case, when my daughter was born, you know, she was born with a rare condition. You know, all of the focus was on her because she was a very sick child. We were up and down to Crumlin every six weeks. I was in the hospital with her locally three times a week. I mean, it was horrendous. But, I mean, I had been through a traumatic pregnancy with her. I'd lost an awful lot of weight because I was on a huge amount of medication before she was born. And nobody was looking at me. And I remember thinking, feeling sorry for myself, but at the same time feeling this guilt going, but, you know, she's the sick child. Why do I feel like this? But you can't stop those feelings. You know what I mean? If you feel like that, they're valid. And that's often what I say to women. You know, it it is very valid to feel resentment towards your child and uh, feel that, you know, there's a lack of support there for women after they have babies. The support is there for the babies mm. and you have your checkup, but there's no follow-up as to see how women are getting on mentally because it's, you know, it's traumatic. Even a normal pregnancy can be traumatic if you have a lot of stitches afterwards or if you're not feeling quite well after it, you know, and you're sore. It takes a long time for your body to come back and nobody really talks about this stuff, yeah. Jerry. So, you know, I, I, I just think if, if we started talking about it more and accept that, you know, it, it's okay not to feel okay after having a baby, I think we'd be a much 
better uh, for it, you know. I want to mirror what Miriam said to you. Get cracking on that next book. You have it there now. There's no bother. <laughs> Just get away you go. And, 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 and it's assured again to be a, a winner for you. You said something there in the, in, in the course of that discussion that links in with, you know, this whole thing with the cervical <laughs> check and you becoming prominent in, in the public domain. You said that you couldn't afford the counselling and roll that on to today and recently for you public versus private scans you pay privately to be scanned for this cancer and yet there are women still today on the public system that won't be scanned for what months exactly yeah i mean it's it and that's why i weighed in on that at the weekend because you know jerry i'm in a situation i can afford to pay for scans I couldn't before all of this happened, you know, and, and most people can't afford to pay for scans because it's four or five hundred euros. Um, and, and, you know, some people have private health insurance, which will pay for that. But most people don't. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, if you're in a situation where you're in a, you know, at high risk of recurrence for your particular cancer, you know, you should be getting the, the scans that you, you need. You shouldn't have to be fighting for it. You know, and, and that is because the difference between getting scanned regularly and then picking it up and not getting scanned is what happened to me, really. You know, I mean, I hadn't had a scan for two and a half years by the time my cancer came back in 2017, and I had no symptoms. And I remember, apart from back pain, and I kept continuously, I, I looked back at my file just to see, you know, was I imagining it? Uh, but it was every appointment I went to, it was noted my lower back pain. But that was ignored. They kept telling me, oh, shit, that's just, you know, the effects of the radiation treatment I had because I had so much radiation to my pelvic area that that can, you know, lead to pain. Yeah. Um, but nobody at any point ever thought, oh, hang on a minute for, you know, this lady is at high risk of recurrence, up to 70% now, Jerry, And they knew this. You know, maybe we should send her for a scan. Do you know what I'm saying? Because my, yes. my cancer travelled up my body. So no matter how many internal exams I was going to have, they would never have felt the tumour because it was after growing further up my body. So, you know, the thing is, you know, if you're at a high risk of recurrence for, for your particular type of cancer, you should be having the scans and you should not have to fight for them. I just endorse 110% everything you, you said there. Listen to this message that's just come to me for you. Vicky is my absolute inspiration. It's just come in on WhatsApp. I've just finished her book. I never read books, but I simply couldn't put it down, Jerry. I'm not very religious, so I ask Vicky for guidance every morning. What this country has done to over 200 women is an absolute disgrace. It makes me so mad and angry to think of those unnecessary deaths and suffering for ladies and their families. Vicky, you are our hero, says Michelle Howard. Thank you, Michelle. What a lovely, lovely oh, comment that you, is. Yeah, that is that so is nice. You know what, Jerry? It's messages like that that drive me on, to be honest. You know, mm. I mean, I'm doing what I'm doing to help people of this country, normal people like myself. You know, I'm lucky, I know that, that I have a voice and I'm able to use it and I'm good at doing research and I'm good at reading up on stuff. But I know there are people who can't do it. And that's why I do it, Jerry, because there are so many people out there who are struggling and who just don't know where to start with this. So, you know, they're the people I'm doing it for. When you hear what Michelle has to say there in that comment, and I'm sure that reflects an awful lot of people who've uh, seen you on television are listening to us today and heard you all over the radio. Do, do you hold bitterness in your heart when you think of that scan you had in 2011 and they should have picked up on it and they didn't are you mad as hell with those people not anymore i was i was jerry for a long time um but 
I suppose in one respect, I wouldn't say that, you know my depression was a blessing in this instance, but I know what that what that does to me. When I start, for example, when my daughter had a really bad accident, uh, you know, six years ago, and she got badly burned, I went to that place. I got so bitter and so angry at the world because this poor child had already had enough. She'd been born with a rare condition. She has a visual impairment, and now she's after getting burned, and had spent five weeks in hospital, and I had to watch her, you know, crying in pain getting her dressings changed and I mean why, what else would you do only feel bitterness and, and resentment and anger when something like that happens to your child but the problem with that Jerry, is that festers and for me I went into a really bad place uh, and I went down you know I got very badly depressed for about two years after her accident which I probably think led to my cancer coming back to be honest because you know there is a link between depression and cancer I, I've read up a lot about this um, so I, I can't go there Jerry. that's the thing you see I cannot go back down that road again because you know, I know what happens if I go into a, a really bad depressive period, it's very hard to come back out again. So for me, I had to channel that anger. And as soon as I started doing things to help other people and talking about this last year, I felt so much better. You know, it's the only way I can describe it is helping other people has helped me not to become bitter. And Amelia, you mentioned there, of course, you were told at one stage, am I right here in saying this, that she may not be compatible with life even and you went ahead and right through the pregnancy and look at this bundle of joy was born. Exactly. Yeah, no, that that, that, that happened when I, we had to have, I had to have an amniocentesis when I was pregnant with her because they needed to find out whether or not this rare condition that I had contracted called toxoplasmosis was after passing into the baby. Because if it had passed into the baby through the amniotic fluid, well then, you know, they'd have to put me on this very strong medication and they didn't want to do that unless she was definitely infected. So when I had the amniocentesis, they found out that yes, you know, unfortunately it had passed in and, you know, she was. Uh, you know, getting uh, uh, attacked by this parasite, um, so I had to go on the medication. But while I was having this uh, amniocentesis, you know, I remember the consultant saying that, um, you know, well, he basically he kind of said, well, if you lived in the UK, you know, you could consider a termination. And I said, well, I don't live in the UK, and I'm not considering a termination. At that stage, I was 30 weeks pregnant, and I remember looking at him going, like, are you telling me that this child is not compatible with life? Is that what you're telling me that you know when she's born, you know, she's not going to survive? And he said, no, 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 I'm not. Well, so why? I said to him, why? I was so angry. I said, why would you say something like that? I said, clearly you can see that we're, you know, we came up here. We're trying to do everything we can to, to you know, to save this baby. Why, why would you say something like that? And, and you know, I, I, I just couldn't believe it, you know. Couldn't believe that somebody would say this, you know. And uh, the rest is history. And thank God you have a loving daughter and son, may I say, as well. <clears throat> a couple of things that I, I just can't miss because, you know, time here. It'll just run away from us. And I can talk to you all day, to be honest with you. <clears throat> but here's the thing. A couple of things I wanted to ask you. Do you have confidence in cervical check? What do you say to women listening today? Um, we're getting there. That's what I would say to people today, Jerry. Uh, we still have a long way to go, but I mean, you know, one of the reasons I'm still, you know, working on this is because, I, you know, I have a 14-year-old daughter. She's just had her HPV vaccine last year when she was in first year. You know, the, the problem with cervical cancer is it, it, it can be hereditary. So, you know, the likelihood is that she could be at high risk of, of developing it because I've had it. So, I mean, I have an absolute vested interest in making sure that this program is foolproof and that it is the best program that we can have. Because, you know, Jerry, also in my condition, I may not be here to see my daughter have her smears, you know, because she won't be having smears until she's 25. And I don't know if I'm going to be here at that stage. And that there is nothing better, not better, 
there's nothing that drives me more to make sure that we have a cervical screening program that we can trust than that. You know, I want to make sure that if I'm not going to be here, that my daughter is going to be well looked after. That's the reality. And myself and Stephen Teep and Lorraine Walsh, the two other patient advocates who are working on this with me, you know, we are doing an awful lot of work in the background that people don't see. You know, Stephen and Lorraine attend a lot of committee meetings. We do a lot of work in the background on the phones, um, you know, reading up. And, uh, you know, Gabriel Scally would be in touch with us quite a lot because, you know, the 12 months post his uh, report, you know, he is still heavily involved in making sure that all of his recommendations mm. are implemented. So we're getting there, Jerry, but it's 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 going to be, you know, a, a long a long road. But we are getting there. You know, we are at the point now where we've introduced the HPV vaccine for boys. Um, you know, the waiting times for smears are back up to normal waiting times, thank God. Um, we are working on an issue now with colposcopy because the waiting times for colposcopy where women have symptoms have increased. So we're trying to deal with that at the moment. But we are getting there and, there, you know, we have a new head of cervical check. So, you know, there's a lot of good things that have happened and the HSE, are, in fairness to them, are doing an awful lot of work um, to try and make sure that they meet the uh, recommendations of the Scully report. So we're, we're, we are getting there, but it's going to be another, you know, I would say 12 months before we can get to a point where we can say we're happy with it. I, I have to say, just as you mentioned him, Gabriel Scally's report was one of the most defining and monumental reports. We've had many tribunals and reports in the country, but that one is outstanding. How are you? How are you? You're on Pembroke. Are you looking beyond that? Is, is there anything beyond that that you can look at, uh, Vicky? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I have a backup plan. Um, there is another uh, trial drug that I can go on if this stops working because, you know, unfortunately, with the Pembro, the likelihood is this is not going to cure me um, because uh, when I had my tumours tested uh, for this drug, I tested about 65 to 70% positive. So the, what that means is about 25 to 30% of my tumour will not respond to this drug. And that kind of seems to have played out because I've had no shrinkage in my tumours since last August. You know, everything is stable at the moment, but there hasn't been any more shrinkage. And the worry there is that, you know, they will start growing again. Um, so I have to have a backup, you know, because if this stops working, I need to get on something fairly fast. So I've already been in touch with the um, uh, the National Institute of Health in Maryland where I was trying to get on a clinical trial before. And there's now a new drug that they are trialling at the moment, which I would be eligible for. And I've been speaking to the oncologist. So, you know, if this stops working, I could be on that drug within two weeks. So unfortunately, it would mean I'd have to go to the States. But, you know, I'd cross that bridge when I come to it. But, you know, I do have a backup. And for me, it's important to have that backup because it's a very scary place when you don't know if there's anything else that you can do, you know. Of course, I wish you well with that. Just before we finish up, I mentioned in the introduction no accountability uh, in Mm. this country uh, on the state's behalf. Do you feel you've still been failed by the state and the other women in that, you know, the tribunal hasn't happened, uh, cases still need to be taken rather than, you know, ex gratia payments being made? Well, the ex gratia payments have been made. So and they're done. Women actually, yes, they are done. Uh, For a, everyone? A large majority, well, a large majority of the group okay. uh, have, have, yeah, so that is happening. Okay. The tribunal still has to be established. That still hasn't happened. And, I, you know, we're waiting to see what the outcome of the Supreme Court decision in Ruth Morrissey's case is going to be, I think, before that seems to be what's happening, you know, that, that the tribunal will probably be established after that rules. Um, but yes, Jerry, we are a long way off being... Um, given answers and, and given accountability. And unfortunately in this country we don't do accountability and until legislation is put in place 
in this country to make public servants accountable, that is going to continue to be the case because, you know, I've worked in the public sector all my life. I know exactly the way this works, um, even though it's in a different domain in education. You know, there are people who are permanent, you know, positions and they can't be fired or let go because of that. So we need to, you know, if we want to make changes across the board in this country to make people more accountable in positions of authority, particularly in areas like health where, you know, it's life and death matters we're talking about. You know, we need to introduce legislation to make people more accountable. And until that happens, this, these scandals are going to keep happening. It's as simple as that. I didn't get a chance to touch on, you know, France and your love affair with France and Christophe, who was your first love who lost his life there and you were involved in a horrific accident over there as well that you could easily have lost your life with. But you know why I didn't touch on it? Because I want people to get the book. I want you to go <laughs> out and <laughs> get this book and buy it. You heard what Michelle said. There's lots of comment coming to us from loads of listeners. Keep it coming to us. 086-1800-658. I wanted to read a couple of these to you just before you go so you'll understand. Sure. No, that'd be lovely. Thank in, you. In, in the northeast, how we feel about you. Jerry Vicky Phelan is one of the greatest women in Irish history. She stood up for herself and many others and I wish her well. It's amazing listening mm. to her today. Uh, Mary's on from Dundalk well good God fair play to you Vicky may God bless you always hi Jerry. as a man says Mark I am always in awe of the resilience of women but Vicky is a shining beacon and an inspiration to all of us I wish her nothing but health and happiness and Amanda oh, from Rathold I'm only getting to a fraction of these says what an inspiration Vicky Feeling. you are so open you are so honest thanks Jerry, for having her on your wonderful show thanks indeed for that lovely comment there Amanda and so on and so on they go. May I say from my own personal point of view, from a distance, I've admired you so much and it's been a real pleasure to talk to you one-to-one on my show this afternoon, Vicky. Uh, thank you, Jerry. It's so nice to talk to you. I love doing the regional radio shows because, you know why? Because it, it is the normal Irish Joe Soaps and Jane Soaps of the country who... I am doing this for because, you know, I'm just a normal mother. People think I'm, you know, this you know amazing woman. I'm not. You know, I'm just after bringing my son home from school, getting him ready now to go out the door for Gaelic football. And, you know, that, you know, they're the important things in this in this life. You know what I mean? To be able to do the normal things and for me to be able to help other women and other families to, to get a quality of life, particularly with this type of cancer and to get accountability and to get answers. You know, that's what it means to me, you know, to, to be able to live my life. And, and do the normal things with my children and I know how much that means to everybody May you live it for a long long time to come The book is called Overcoming by Vicky Feeling. It's available right round the country now in bookshops Go get it It's a wonderful wonderful read Vicky thank you for Thanks, taking Jerry. time today to talk Thanks to me Thanks very much Thank you Not at all God bless you Take care now Vicky Feeling. they're speaking to us on Late Lunch this afternoon Have a copy of the book I'll tell you how you can get it after news and sport at three the Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk. Vladimir and Anton return to Trim Castle Hotel this Wednesday at 8 o'clock and it's their only performance in Trim this year. They have a brand new show. They're simply brilliant, these guys. It's called Those Were The Days. It's an evening of songs and melodies we all love and remember, including Gay Sarah, Sarah, Danny Boy and many more. Tickets for them, Vladimir and Anton, are available at Trim Castle Hotel reception or from eventbrite.ie. I have a pair of tickets to go along 
long that's said uh, this week yes this Wednesday 8 o'clock Trim Castle for a wonderful night here's the question how many strings on a conventional violin how many strings are there on a conventional violin answers to 086 658 with your name and details and we'll pick somebody for those tickets for the show on Wednesday in Trim Castle um, I want to tell you that Michael English was born in County Kildare thank you to everybody who was in touch with us on that one and going along to see Michael at the Carrickdale Hotel this Wednesday is Mary McGee from Dundalk we'll be in touch with you to make the arrangements I was just thinking wasn't it uh, so poignant and timely that I was speaking to Vicky Phelan on this day because today you see is the first anniversary of the passing of Emma McMahon you remember that lovely lady with the young children and the husband she left behind her yes she passed away a year today and she was involved as well in uh, the cervical check scandal and we remember her on this day. I recently bought Vicky's book. She's a true inspiration wishing her all the best from Clarendon Shockland and there's loads more there as well all saying how Vicky Phelan inspires you and wishing her well and we passed them on in block to her as well and we told her that even after we finished chatting here on the show Louise was chatting to her there. I have a copy of Vicky Phelan's book called Overcoming. It's a memoir. Would you like it? Well, I'll give it to one of you today. It's a fascinating book and all you have to do, I'll make it as simple as I can. WhatsApp us or text us, Vicky, the name Vicky, to 086-1800-658 if you'd like a copy of this book and we'll pick somebody for the book before the end of the show this afternoon. Now, just a little reminder for you. Remember we spoke some weeks back about the Meath Garda Youth Award sponsored by Centre. Catherine Cronin, juvenile liaison officer at Navin Garda Station, was with us on the day and she's back on the line. Just a reminder, Catherine, entries closing when? Entries are closing on Wednesday. So everybody that had uh, thought of nominating somebody who maybe put it on the long finger, maybe they could uh, get out a nomination paper and either send it to us through the post or send it to us by email. And they can check that out where online? What do they click on, um, Catherine? It's on the Centre website. So if you put uh, me, Guard the Youth Awards and Centre all in uh, the search engine, you will get... Uh, to the nomination papers. Uh, it's also on our Meath Crime Prevention Facebook page. So both and they're available in the central stores in uh, Meath and also in all the Garda stations. OK, so there's still time. It's this Wednesday, the 9th of October is the closing date. And there's one category in particular you want to mention. Yes, um, we are getting some... Uh, nominations in for young people so um, the main bulk of our awards will go to young people who do good work throughout the community here in County Mead and give a positive contribution to their community but one of the uh, one of the categories is for an outstanding contribution to youth award and this is for an adult volunteer mentor a coach a group leader anybody who does uh, unheralded work in the community and gives their time to the young people who live here in County Mead. We have an award for them and uh, we have um, 
there has been nominations, but there, uh, you know, we know that there's more people. We want out there. more. Yes, there's we loads do. of people like that, Captain, right across Absolutely. County Mead, Absolutely. who work with young people and are heroes and give an awful lot to them. So if you're listening today and you know somebody like that, get the entry in. You have until Wednesday, and it's a wonderful night happening on the sixth of November. I'll be there myself. I remember it two years ago. It was just fantastic to acknowledge everybody, and it's so warm and fulfilling for the people who get the nominations and the winners ultimately, of course, as well. But we're looking for people, especially in that category of people who are working with young people and doing a lot in their lives. Get them in. We need them ASAP. Catherine, I'll see you on the 6th of November. Excellent. Thanks again, Jerry. All right. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Catherine uh, Cronin there, juvenile liaison officer at Navin Garda Station, centre.ie, the website, Garda Stations, or uh, if you just Google it there, Me, the Garda Youth Awards, you'll find the entry forms there. So get them in uh, ASAP. Late lunch, LMFM Radio, Monday afternoon, heading to our final break uh, uh, on this day. And afterwards, do you remember Annette Callan? We met her on late lunch. I think it was earlier this year at some stage and she's 83 years young and what a woman full of the joys of life physically active active in the community well she did something yesterday amazing and we're going to hear about it next when I interviewed her earlier on in the year, I just thought, isn't that woman just putting me to shame? And I'm sure a lot of people felt the same listening to her as well. Annette Callan is 83 years young, always looking for a challenge. And she has to be still on a high following her latest one. Annette is on the line to tell us what she did at the weekend. Hello, Annette. Hello, Jerry. Nice to talk to you again. <laughs> tell them what oh. happened. When did it happen? Yesterday, was it? Or Saturday? Yes, about uh, yesterday. At about twelve o'clock. <laughs> what did you do? I um I was very I was nervous, of course, in the in the morning. Yeah. When I got there, I was fine, and uh, then I got training and I uh, got my suit on, and I wasn't too bad then. Okay, and they're <laughs> saying, where was she? What did you do? Where did you go? Where did this happen? What were you? What 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 did you set out to do yesterday? Tell us. Oh, yes, a skydive. A skydive. There you go. And they were all out there guessing. What did this woman do? A skydive. So it's where did... 10,000 feet, Jerry. That's all. Oh. <laughs> That's all. Sure, it's a doddle to this woman. So you went there, you got, you went, they, they talked to you, they explained what was going to happen and you put the suit on and up you go. How many, who went up in the air with you? Uh, it was a very nice man. He was Peter Breen. Breen, yeah. From Drogheda. He's Is from he? Drogheda, yeah. Okay, Peter Breen from Drogheda went up with you in the plane. Uh, okay. He was very nice. He was a nice man, yeah. And was there just you and Peter or anyone else there? Oh, there was about four. Okay, so you weren't yeah. the only one doing so the I dive. Was, yes, I was the second one to get out of the plane. Right, now tell me this, Annette. It's all right, you know, <laughs> talking about it on the ground and putting the suit on and sitting in the plane. How did you feel when it just came to that moment well, that, you know, you were going to jump out? Well, I feel worse now. <laughs> God, Annette. I prefer to jump out of the plane. Then talk to me on the radio. Well, not you, really. <laughs> Everybody else is listening. Annette, don't be. Listen, there's only me and you. Don't worry about any of the well, other. I, hope, I wish there was only you and I. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you see, I, I'll have to do a little psychology with you. You have to think of it like that, that it's just me and you, Annette, like yourself and Peter yesterday. Yes, I'd rather be face to face and much prepared. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. The intimacy yes. when I had you yes. in here with me, Annette. Oh, nothing like that. that. Oh, for sure. Now I'm really getting excited. <laughs> anyway, you, you're at the doors of the plane with Peter well, and I, you're, yes. you're attached to him. He jumps with you, does he? Yes, well, I had to jump first. Right. <laughs> to me, he came then. Oh, my God, Jerry! I thought he was going to die. <laughs> <Did you? laughs> the blast of wind. The whoosh. And I twirled around. <laughs> oh, my God. But then I, I forgot everything that he told me to do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he gave me a little nudge and he told me to keep my arms tight. <laughs> To my side, <laughs> put my feet back. <laughs> and listen, you, you you free fell for so much before he I pulled. I thir- about thirty seconds. Yeah. Right. And what was that like about when 5, you feel? Five thousand. You can yeah. imagine, Annette. What is that? What's that feeling like when you're oh, falling? It is just lovely. Is it? Yes. It was. I didn't want to go down. Did you not? And I, I was. I was the second out, but I was the last down because I was so late. Ah, oh my God. So, so I, got, I got my money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> you always get your money's worth. I, I, I reckon that. I know that from a while back. But here's the thing. When he pulls the, the, the string and the parachute opens, do you get a, a, a sensation of being pulled whoop, way back up in the air again? Oh, we went up. No, it was yeah. lovely. It was yeah. nice. It was yeah. gentle. Yeah. yeah. And then, as you were so saying... So I was gliding at myself then. He gave me the... He let you go. Yeah. And he went off and himself. I was pulling. No, 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 no. I was pulling the, whatever right. you call them, okay. the parachute. You pulled the car. the right and the left. And mm. I had a good look round. Right. Oh, it was beautiful, Jerry. Mm. You should do it. Oh, listen. Hold on. Uh, flying is, uh, sitting safely in a jumbo jet is, is, is grand well, for me. It's so not that. much nicer. <laughs> is it? <laughs> <laughs> it is look, much nicer. This is a real story with you. You know, I that would just love to do it again. Would you? Up again, yeah. I'd be prepared for everything. And listen, I know what's going to happen next. Well, I I hear your daughter, and I know she's there with you. Have a chat with her in a minute. Uh, uh, Your daughter Deirdre and your granddaughter have significant birthdays coming, have they? Yes, next year. Oh, I can see a three-way jump here. Oh, oh, yes, the fiftieth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, oh, gee, she'll kill us for even saying that. Yes. You're under real pressure now on the radio after saying that. I just said it was significant, Bertie. She's going to be 21. <laughs> You're after giving the cat away. Deirdre is oh, 50. She doesn't mind. Does she not? No, she's proud of her age. <laughs> like her mother. <laughs> Tell me this. How much did you raise? Well, I'm nearly the thousand now. A thousand? Yes, I, uh, I'm sure I'll get some. Oh, you'll get a thousand. No bother. And who are you raising yes. the money for? The hospice. In RD. An RD. Ah, listen, you're so yeah. good. So yeah. you'd recommend a skydive to anybody? I would, Jerry. It doesn't matter what age you are. There you go. Yeah, well, you know you're something. Healthy at all, you'd be able to do it. <laughs> you're just the most amazing woman. I, I say again, and <laughs> you really are. You're, you're you're fantastic, and well done to you. Raising money, doing something, and it was on your bucket list. It's something you said you'd do, and here you are telling me today you're going to do it again, maybe. Yeah. 
Maybe solo. <laughs> solo? So there'll be no Peter with you or no anyone else. She'll just jump. Is that oh, it? I'll think about it, Jerry. I know you will. I know It'll you will. It'll take me a while. It'll take me a while. I know. I'm around I know. that one. <laughs> well, listen, just before we finish, will you stick there on there? Congratulations. I will to indeed. You again. Lovely talk with ah, you. Ah, you too. Lovely. You too. Yeah, thank it? you very Thanks much. Thanks a million. Jerry. Take bye care. Bye. Take bless. care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Deirdre Callan is standing Hello. by the phone. Hello, Deirdre. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Happy birthday in advance. Oh, God. <laughs> it's next year. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. She's still in her forties. Don't even be mentioning that. Well, what oh, do you I... say about this wonderful mom of yours? Oh, she's inspiring. I have to say. I have to say, when we seen her coming off the airfield yesterday, she looked like something out of Top Gun or something. She just was so cool. And we were all there. The whole family was there. All the grandchildren were there, all shouting out at her. And she's just an inspiration. I mean, we all felt actually bad. I mean, everyone was saying to us. Oh my God! Do you not? You you should be the one doing this, not your mother. But I mean, there you go. She put us to shame yesterday. Uh, up, no bother to her. Were you worried for her at all? You know, when not one bit. I can say that wholeheartedly. She's so fit and healthy. Thank God. But she's so well able to do what they asked her to do. You know, she's nimble. She's fit. Yeah. No, I would know. I'd no qualms. I think it's easier than what she does most days. To be honest, what she what she did yesterday. <laughs> Uh, you can yeah. tell her that her new name is Kelly, Kelly McGillis, the star of Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, just let her know I that there. So. That we'll just be thinking of her in, in those terms in the future. Yeah. Ah, she's, she's yeah, remarkable. She's you know, yeah. I, I still yeah. remember the day I met both of you here. You came in along with her as well. And she That's just, right. you know, she, you know, she's a real inspiration and, and a role yeah. model uh, for absolutely. really living your life to the full, uh, no matter what age you yeah. are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so listen... We thank you for uh, joining us today on Late Lunch and wish you well. And we will be thank talking you. to you when you, Deirdre, your mum, Annette, and your daughter team daughter, up to do it. this yes, uh, job next year, please, God. Absolutely. Anyway, yes, well no done problem. to you all. Thanks for Thanks joining for that, me. Jerry. Thanks bye-bye. a million. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Isn't she just something else? She really is. Now, let me tell you uh, that a pair of tickets is going to Rosie Healy today. She's going along to see Vladimir and Anton on at Trim Castle this Wednesday. Tickets available from the hotel reception there or eventbrite.ie. There are four strings on a conventional violin. Thank you for that. Well done and enjoy, Rosie. And Vicky Phelan's book, Louise. Jenny Farland, Terman Fekin is getting that today. Well, there you are, Jenny. Well done to you. We've been inundated with people looking for the book on WhatsApp and text and it is available, I'll tell you again, in bookshops right round the northeast and beyond. It's Vicky Phelan, Overcoming is the name of the book, uh, ghost written by uh, Naomi Lenehan, who's done a great job, I have to say, as well on this memoir with Vicky Phelan. Wasn't she remarkable, Louise, to talk to? Honestly. She was like, amazing. You, you could have listened to her. That woman. Forever. Forever. Like, and all she's been through. And I you, didn't realise that until you told me this morning. Mm, amazing the things that that lady has had to cope with in her life and she's just got up and got on with it and there she is vibrant and so so inspirational uh, chatting away to us today on the show anyway we wish her well I say that to you again on this day year on from the passing of Emma McMahuna and yeah it's so sad it is a sad day so it is and we wish all of the women over the, the over 200 women uh, involved in that cervical check 
controversy and scandal as it is, all the very best going forward. And they will need it. That 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 is for sure. Anyway, that's a lot on late lunch uh, on this Monday afternoon. Have a lovely evening and do come back and join us tomorrow Tuesday. We'll be on from round about one thirty, and we love to have you with us. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Jorda and Dundalk. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.